Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, October 6th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all. We're going to open the phone lines right now, so start dialing 855-950-3835. Looks like calls are starting to come in. We'll get to those calls here in just a couple minutes. It's a free-for-all today. Anything goes. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, pick up the phone and join me at 10 o'clock Pacific time, two hours from now. We'll be doing an episode of Rolling Toe, and later on today, we'll be recording an episode of The Pit, so that should get posted later today as well. So, a lot going on today. Pick up the phone and join us. A couple things I wanted to talk about. Uh, Looks like fuel prices might be going back up. OPEC has decided they're going to cut production. So here's the problem we're facing in the U.S. We gave up our own energy independence, and we've been begging other countries to produce oil to try to bring the price down. Um, Biden went to the Middle East and asked those countries, and they kind of said, no, we're not going to increase production. In fact, now we're going to decrease it 2 million barrels a day. So what is our administration's answer? We're going to grab the credit card again. We're not going to do anything to fix the problem. We're going to dig a deeper hole. Now they're going to release 10 million barrels out of our reserve, along with the million barrels every day. We are at our lowest level on our petroleum reserve in 40 years. There's that 40-year number again, going back to the early 80s. When I graduated and the economy sucked and we're doing it again, but this time we seem to be doing it on purpose. Last time, I don't remember it being on purpose. This one, it seems like we should know better. So fuel prices could be on their way back up. I'm more worried about uh, the fact that we're putting ourselves in a pretty vulnerable position when it comes to fuel. One of the, uh, the topic of, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on politics right now. I'm not going to spend any other than to tell you what I'm going to be doing later on in the pit. We're really going to focus on the midterms. Uh, it, it at least feels like we can do something right now. And what we're going to do is we're going to highlight uh, the key Senate races. I'm not going to go through the House races right now. Maybe we'll do that later, but we'll highlight the key Senate races So you will know whether or not you have a race you should be paying attention to. You know, in the midterms, there's only so much we can do. I only have so many things I can vote on, but we want to make sure everybody is aware of uh, some of those close races that will determine control in the Senate. So that's coming up later today on the pit If you wanted to talk about it now, anything goes. Um, Matt just sent me some numbers on fuel. Let's see what we've got. Uh, Monday, there was no change. Tuesday, we were up 18 cents. Wednesday, up 17 cents. Thursday, up 15. Holy cow. Those are big jumps. I had no idea it was going up that fast. Um, 
Yeah, okay. Well, let's get to some phone calls. If you've got uh, anything on your mind, pick up the phone and join us. We're going to get started today in Tennessee. Bob, welcome to the program. Well, good morning, Kevin. I've had you on my mind. What's uh, What are you thinking about? Well, your sleep issue, man. It's really bothering me that you can't get a good night's sleep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think you need a reset, my friend. I think I do, too. What would that look like? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going back, and I'm thinking of our ancestors, and... You know, they, they were out in nature, and, yeah, they were always stressed trying to just survive. But they got in sync with nature. And what I'm thinking, it's going to take a little prep work, but what I'm thinking is, is the soundtrack, the sounds of nature, and the cycles of nature for morning, afternoon, evening, and night. And you're going to, after you make your soundtrack, make a, a nice two-day soundtrack of the sounds of nature. Then I want you to get you and make you a nice little tea, just some honey and some lemon, just a mild peyote and a little bit of mushrooms. <laughs> and I want there you to you go, go into a box, a totally dark room with nothing in it or a container or whatever. And I want you to set a Friday evening. I want you to watch the sunset. Then I want you to go in there with your yoga mat. I want you to have that tea or have the tea first and then go in there with your yoga mat. And I don't want you to do this on a Friday because I know your schedule. You, you never shut down. I don't want you to come out of there until Sunday morning at sunrise. Or even better yet, Monday morning. Yeah, there you go. And then when you come out, come out at sunset, 48 hours in the box, with your mind turned off and nothing but the sounds of nature, in the cycle of nature. You know, that'd be interesting. Then Monday morning, when you come out of that box, you walk down to the river and you watch it get up, come out just before sunset, you walk down there and you watch the sunrise. And you spend Monday just enjoying the day, watch the sunrise. Relax, go out in your garden, sit in your garden, and then watch the sun rise. Monday night, whatever schedule you're wanting to get on, go to bed and see if you don't get a perfect night's sleep. It's, no, uh, no bands or nothing while you're in there. You no, know, I know. It's, <laughs> it, it sounds wonderful. And I, I, it's, it's very possible that is what I need, some sort of a reset. I, I'm just... I just don't I, have the time. Well, you know, it's not even... <laughs> It's not even the time, really. Um, if I thought that it really would work, I mean, it sounds wonderful. I don't, that would, that would indicate that my sleep issue is nothing more than me not being able to turn my mind off. Because that's really what we're yep. trying to do there. But that's not my issue. And I know it's not. You know, a lot of people probably I know, absolutely. I think we turn our minds off a lot of times. It's not. Well, no, I, I, look, I've studied that enough through meditation and, and all that. I, I, I can tell if my mind's overly active, and it, it's really not for me. That's not my sleep issue. My sleep issue is physical, not mental. It's just, and I, again, if I knew what it was, I could solve it. I don't know what it is, but, um, yeah, I don't think a, a reset as nice as that you. would be. I'm going to challenge you to try it. 
Yeah. Well, no, I want to challenge what, you. Here's what I want to try. Here's what I'm wondering. Can't say though. I won't work it's, until you try it. No, you're right. But here, here's what I'm wondering. Why would I? Why would I try to recreate the nature stuff artificially? If I have the time to just go well, sit the in a perfect scenario would be in a box for two days. Why don't I just go sit out in the woods? That would be the perfect scenario. Yeah. Or a sweat lodge. Yeah. Go do a sweat lodge. Yeah. You know, but you know, a lot of people, it's, it's just hard to find that place to go where you can be comfortable doing that. And you're yeah, turning now, everything off in your mind. You're, you're focusing on nothing. You're clearing your mind with the tea. We, but the thing is, is that's going to pass in a few hours. And then your mind's going to get in sync and you're going to start picturing this, those waves or standing at that beach or being out there in nature in your mind. And here's, the daytime sounds you're going to recognize is that's daytime. Here's and the, the other time sound you're going to recognize is that's nighttime. Here's the other reason I'm going to push back against this, even if it would work short term. It still goes back to our old thought process about stress. The the all we're doing in this is we're avoiding it. We're trying to avoid it long enough to reset something. But then I can promise you the minute I step back into my everyday life, everything's going back to the way it was. That's the problem. We can't we can't beat stress by avoiding rid of that stress long enough that you can come back and build it back. Well, I agree that you're going to have to. Yeah, that's have to do the protocols. Yeah, that's that's the the protocol. That's the key here really is that we keep going back to this. Let's avoid stress. And and what we did here was we described the perfect avoidance of all stress. You know, let's make it perfect. Let's it. That would work for a while. But it's not solving the root cause. You know, they have these places. I haven't been to one. Lisa's been to one, and Brittany's been to one. They um, they did a retreat one time, and I think it was just the women. Um, they're, uh, oh, shoot, what's the name of these things? They call them sensory deprivation tanks. So you go to these places. Oh, yeah, that's and, yeah, and it's you go inside of a tank, kind of. There's water in there, mm-hmm. and exploding. it's totally dark. You can't hear any sounds at all from the outside, and they put the perfect amount of salt in the water so that your body floats. Even people who can't float, like I don't float well at all, but you do in these because they put so much salt in the water that it becomes very buoyant, and you become neutral gravity. Like you don't, you can't even feel gravity at this point. Uh, And then they have, you know, the soundtracks and that kind of stuff. But that's kind of the idea there. Total sensory deprivation. You don't hear anything. You don't feel the water is, is body temperature. It doesn't feel hot or cold. It feels totally like you don't feel anything. And that's the idea. It's supposed to be to, to clear your body of any kind of physical sensation so you can focus on the mental part of things. See, that's, that's the thing with your muscles, too, though. What do you do when you stress your muscles out to the point that they break? You relax afterward and let them heal. Well, absolutely. And it's the no same doubt. Thing Healing. Stress muscle. Correct. You want right. to push that stress muscle, but then... Give it time to recover. Yes, that is true. Yep. And that's the whole point of the, 
the exercise is to to let that muscle recover and then stress it some more. Yeah, so I think, and I I probably will do, well, it's not going to be like that, but I am taking a couple days away from the normal routine. I'm kind of looking forward to the train ride. It's actually three days on the train. I, I, just, I can just listen to you, and I can tell this man never shuts his mind off. Oh, no, that's... 24-7, always thinking about something. Uh, yeah, like I said, <laughs> yes and no. Even it, when it, he's not thinking, he's relaxing. I know you, you're like me. Even when you're relaxing, there's something in the back of your mind going, mm, and, and even even in relaxing, a lot of times I'm, I'm totally relaxed, and... Once I get relaxed, a thought will come to me, and I'll have to go with it. Yeah, I'm. I'm I, I can shut off my mind. I really can. I mean, that's not. You know, Bruce and I have been talking about sleep for years, and that's Bruce's problem, and he knows it. He can't shut off his mind. When he wakes up, it starts again, and he can't shut it off. It's really not me. It's not. I. I don't I'm one have of that issue. Ones. I can. I lay down, and sometimes I have a little trouble getting to sleep. But boy, once I get to sleep, I just I'm out. Yeah, well, that that's how I know and mine's I really not my mind. It, it's more physical, is because I can fall asleep pretty easily uh, because I don't have a problem with with racing thoughts or you know anxiety or worry or I, I can just shut that off. I fall asleep, but within ten minutes, I'm awake again. Um, so even with the weird trekking schedules, like oh, now I'm doing driving, that, and so it is a lot easier to set my schedule and try to sleep at night when I want to. But I did for six years full the reefer, and with the reefer, I mean you're three o'clock and an appointment one day, right? Two or three drops till six, and then you know you're back on. You got a two o'clock appointment the next day in the afternoon. And then at three o'clock in the morning, I appointment. Know. But so like I said, it hard. Like I said, I, but even then, I get tired. I could sleep. I I lived that life for years, and I slept great. Did not have a single sleep issue back then. That so, you know, it, it wasn't the goofy schedule no, that did it to me. School, I did have trouble sleeping because with the studies and everything. Yeah, when I went back to college. And during that time, I had some sleep issues. Yeah. But other than that, you know. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, but I, was just, I, I was thinking on it, and I was like, I was going the, back to, and it kind of hitting back on the uh, Indians and sweat lodges and type such. Oh, there's there's and, no doubt. Uh, you know, I should, you know, um, <laughs> I should get, uh, since we're back to doing guests again, I need to go make sure we've got Paul Check on there. Um Paul's into all of that stuff, so that uh, I should maybe I should work with him on that. It's a good idea. I'm gonna mind down the right, body. There you go. All right, Bob, gonna cut you loose. You put a lot of thought into that. I appreciate it. Something like that may happen soon. We'll see. Let's uh, let's go to New York. AJ, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. My call again. Um, had a question about, so I'm going to go home and do my first time ever yogurt. Got everything waiting for me at home. And uh, so I'm going Good. by the pictures and the instructions on the on the website. And uh, I see the lids, those white lids. Can I use the, the rings with the blanks? Yeah, you can use any lid you want. You don't want to put them on super tight. You want to leave the lids loose so that the pressure can get out. And then just, 
you know, I usually put mine in some sort of a tray with some, you know, paper towels or something underneath. They will overflow. I mean, if they'll get active enough that you'll, they'll push liquid out a lot of times. Uh, so you just want something to catch that. They do make the fermentation lid. Oh, we're talking about yogurt now, right? I'm thinking yeah. in my mind, I was just thinking ferment, fermenting because uh, that's what I've been working on. Um, with the yogurt, yeah, you can use any kind of lid you want. Leave them a little loose. Um, I've had some people say they've had yogurt, you know, bubble over. I haven't had that happen. Uh, and you don't, if you just put it on barely tight, they'll be fine. Okay. And the water goes up, what, halfway up the jar? I'm just like a you know, I... I'd like to put the water all the way up to the shoulder of the jar, right where it starts to curve. Okay. It's just, it's just, it's going to be more, you're going to have a more consistent temperature when you do that. Right. That's what I figured. And um, you can consume that first batch because this is going to be my starter batch. Uh, You can. There may not be a off the next one. Yeah. There may not be a lot in there you want to consume. It's, um, the first batch is very watery with little like clumps in it, kind of. So you can strain out the water and then you can try to kind of mix the clumps back together and you might get a little bit you can eat. Um, usually with the El Ruderai, we don't get much out of that first batch. Okay, very good. All right, thanks for the call. I uh, I need to make a batch today. I actually waited a little too long. I've got... Uh, I've got one little container left to eat today, but then uh, I'm not going to have any yogurt till, what's today? Thursday. I won't have it till late Friday night. So I need to get on that today. The garden's been taking up a lot of time. Let's uh, let's go to Illinois. Brandy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin. Um, so you were talking yesterday, you're going to take Amtrak. I'm a frequent rider of Amtrak, at least it was. And... Um, they usually have a uh, dining car and then a um, club car. Well, ever since COVID, I think they've taken out the dining car. They don't want people sitting across from each other. And then, uh, so I'm only telling you that because uh, my mom had passed away in June, and then I brought a friend from uh, Dallas up to uh, Galesburg, and they didn't have a dining car. So she was only relying upon a the club car for food. And um, also should be aware is that, uh, like, um, issues with the train, sometimes they will take you off the train and put you on a bus to take you to your next stop. So I don't know if you're all aware of that. I'm sure you're not going yeah. coach. I did. Um, but uh, it, it, no. And I kind of wonder know, how, you're going, to, oh, how I'm, you're going to cook for the next three days. Yeah, I don't cook, but I do take most of my own food on the train. We've traveled on the train quite a bit. Um, we always we we do get a right. car. It's outrageously expensive. I mean, I I was shocked the first time. Um, if you want the room, which is, I I get the room, I need to you know I want to work, I want to be able to relax. Um, to me, this isn't right. about cost. I would spend. I mean, my last trip in the coach was a six thousand dollar trip in fuel. I mean, so no matter how expensive the train is, it's still cheaper than me driving around the country in the coach by myself. Uh, so, no, I, I've, I've got the car um, or the room. And it, okay. uh, I, there was a time. So the, the, 
the way I get to Chicago is on the Empire Builder. We a couple cars pull out of Portland. I've couple, been on that. Yeah, a couple cars pull out of Seattle. We meet out. I think it's Spokane. I think you, they. It happens in the middle of the night, so I'm usually asleep when it happens. Uh, the two trains meet up, and then they go on to Chicago. So the first meal yeah. on the Portland train was always just like a boxed lunch because the meal car is leaving Seattle. So we didn't have the meal car till the, the second day. Uh, and the food is not great. It's just not the quality. The, no. Nothing <laughs> about it is very good. So I take a, a lot of my own food, you know, just, just stuff that's easy to eat, right. jerky and beef sticks and nut butters and all the same stuff. You know, I'll take, you know, sardines and mackerel and all that, the seafood in the can, and I'll pretty much take care of myself. There, there was a while when you talk about putting yeah. people on buses, um, when the oil fields were running hard, that train goes right through North Dakota and right through the oil fields. Uh, and there were times yeah, where... The, that's what I remember too. They yeah, stopped. Yeah, there were times when the oil trains were so active they didn't have, I mean, they were pushing the Amtrak trains 10 and 12 hours behind, and sometimes they were putting people on buses to get them around some of those backups. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yesterday, also, on your that sh- doctor you had on, we referred to from November 26th till that to lose weight. I wondered what you thought of when you see the sudden death uh, syndrome these athletes, they just simply keel over and die. Is it such a good idea to lose weight? Because possibly, and this is only for people that have been in jabs, that uh, the spike protein has to go through the fat. Versus, it's just a theory, but it just makes me think it's like these people were fit and trim, and then, then they simply just dropped over, so they weren't maybe the fat actually protected so, them or would protect them? No, no. That, so... Because they never report on this stuff, we're speculating, but we know that young, fit people don't die at these numbers. And what changed? Well, COVID itself. So did they have COVID? And is there some lingering effect of COVID that could cause this? Or were they vaccinated? And is it a lingering effect of the vaccination? Or is it something completely different? I don't, I, I, I don't think it's anything completely different. I do believe it's a lingering effect of the vax because we have evidence. We know that that vaccine is hard on the heart, especially young men are the most vulnerable group. So it really doesn't have anything to do with fat. If we, I mean, if we have to speculate, I'm going to speculate that every one of these people dropped out of a heart attack or a stroke. And that wouldn't have anything at all to do with the fat. It's, it's the spike protein is damaging the the heart. Can't get through the fat. No, no, it's just a theory. No, I mean, we all have to have fat on our body. So right. having more fat wouldn't be yeah. any different. I mean, the spike protein, we're finding it everywhere in the body. That's the problem. They told us that would not happen. It did happen. We know it's happening. Yeah. And we know it damages the heart. So that's the issue here. This is These are probably all heart attacks. Yeah, I agree. Um, there was something else, but my brain shut down. So, okay. Um <laughs> call later again thank you there you go thanks (laughs) for the call all right let's uh 
let's head off to Pennsylvania this time. Sarah, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning. I got a question. When people have a problem, you used to tell them they go like 70, 75 miles an hour, just slow down, you get better fuel mileage. How do you tell them to, to do that? Uh, usually, boy, I haven't, nobody's asked me that in a long time, but I used to tell them to the easiest way to do it. We actually had a method. Uh, I would tell people if you have been setting your cruise control at 73 or whatever the number is, or, you know, two miles an hour faster than the speed limit or whatever you normally do, just set it one mile per hour slower than you normally would and do that for a week or two. And then set it down another mile per hour and do that for a week or two. And before you know it, you can be driving whatever speed you want. You won't even notice the change. Exactly. How about trying to go to bed five or ten minutes early, earlier each each week until you slowly ease yourself into changing your set time in your body? So I tried that, and I couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. It almost made things worse, and I think I know now why. Uh, it was the article I read yesterday. Okay. It's this idea of uh-huh. we're trying too hard. It, it was one of those things where, like, I was so focused on that, that okay, you know, last night I didn't go to bed till 11.20, so tonight I'm going to go to bed at 10.45 or, or whatever, and it wasn't working. I mean, it immediately put this me in this mode of, well, I'm going to bed earlier, but I know I'm not going to be able to go to sleep. So the, the way I'm going to have to reset the sleep cycle is the other way. I'm just going to have to set an alarm or yeah, I wake up enough times during the night. I'm going to have to pick a really early time and just get out of bed. And I'm just going to have to suffer through that okay. first couple of days where I'm just miserable all day because I'm tired. But I think that's the only way I'm going to be able to reset the sleep cycle. That that was a good idea about slowly moving it back. But I swear, as soon as I tried it, the opposite happened. Uh, and um, another, another thing I heard um, Lauren mention it yesterday, the NTA had a spotlight on stress conference. Um, and I was very pleasantly surprised. I listened to almost most of it before I had to walk into the vet. Um, they, the focus was on strengthening your body's response to stress rather than just avoid stress. Good. So uh, Good. the most impactful one for me was the first lecture by Leslie Korn. She's and, good. Um, and the other two were, were, were very good. The third one was, by um, two girls called the Herb Girls and mirrored a lot of the stuff that Danielle told us about uh, with adaptogens, but really really good stuff. So I I recommend uh, listening to those when you're out in the garden or something. Good. Um, Hope you guys have a great weekend. Hey, hold on one second. What um, did they give any specifics on building that resilience? What, what was their, how do you do it? There was um, mention of the same kind of things. Uh, cold. I know Leslie mentioned cold exposure. Um, they didn't talk about all, all, everything that you're talking about, but 
as far as the getting towards that, more towards that, than the old standard, just avoid stress. I was pleased in the direction where they're moving. Good, good. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go listen to that. Put your stuff down. Yeah, well, maybe I'll okay, great. maybe I'll get involved in the next one. All right, thanks for that. We'll talk to you again next time. Let's head off to Texas. Brian, welcome to the program. Thanks for taking my call, Kevin. Um, I sent you an oil sample. It's the first one on this truck that I put on the road. All right. Can you uh, hear me? Yep, and I've got your oil yeah. sample okay. here in front of me. All right. Okay. Uh, well, I'm a little confused. How many miles are okay. on the engine? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about. Um, I I just put the mileage of it whenever I got it. I should have put the total mileage. It, it's got a million plus that number. Okay. So and going forward, I can change change that right yeah yeah so we've got a, just at about a million on the engine itself and 17,641 miles on the oil yes okay this is a look at a couple other things here this is a really clean sample um i'm a little uh it's not, a, it, it, go ahead it's a 2004 Pete, 379. I don't have an AP on it, so I idle. Well, I was idling all, so, all day, all night during the summer. Is this a, a non-emission C15, a 6NZ, or a bridge? In 04, it could be any one of the it's three. It's a bridge. It is a bridge, okay. Yeah, it's, As, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, non, it's non-emission. Yeah, it's pre-emission. There's no EGR on it. Okay. Um the oil sample looks really good. This is a really, really good-looking sample for a million-mile engine. Um, there's a little bit of copper. There is some lead. And without having history, we don't know if that could be a bearing issue or not. So all we can do is wait and see okay. the next sample. Uh, other than that, there's nothing at all in the sample to look at or talk about. It's, it's tuned right. It's running well. Uh, no contaminants. This is just a, a really clean oil sample, and that's a good sign. So we'll wait and see if we can see a pattern in the lead and copper in the next sample. Uh, the other thing I would highly recommend, um, we used to hate this engine. Absolutely hated them for years. They were problems. Right. Uh, they didn't get good fuel economy. They they didn't run right. Um Pittsburgh Power figured this engine out. You want to let them tune this thing for you. Done. Already done. And I just put the, the turbo on Excellent. and uh, the manifold Excellent. this weekend in Phoenix. Excellent. Yep. Hey, what, and, um, uh, what'd you pay for this truck? Too much. <laughs> Everybody's still uh, paying too much. I'm, that's why I'm asking. I'm shocked at the prices trucks are still selling for. I, Okay, so so I bought this truck about eight months ago. Oh, okay. I did pay eighty. I did pay eighty for it. Wow. Yeah. Um, they they haven't come down as much as I had hoped they were going to. Uh, I'm shocked, and 
the other thing that's interesting, we just like set a record for new truck orders in September. Yeah, yeah, and uh, well, I, I I I struggled with that. I just you know I was like you know I I want a pre-emission truck. I want one that is not going to be uh, you know supply chain issues or computer chip issues. I just want one that. You know, because I've heard horror stories of owner operators buying a $260,000 truck. They got a truck payment north of $4,000. And, you know, there's a nationwide shortage on something they need. Oh, and they, yeah, I know. They go That's, bankrupt. Yeah. No, I, I, I get it. And I I was like, well, if I'm going to take a risk. um, So, and it's it's been a fight. Let me tell you, I, it's cost me a lot of money, but to get it, uh. But you know what? It's 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 going to work out. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. So, so well, let, you, let me ask. Let me ask you one thing. Sure. Okay, I'm going to put the OPS on it. What do I need to do as far as the oil analysis goes at that point to establish a baseline? Because that's going to change everything, right? No, no, you don't need to do anything different. You could. Look, we've had people put the OPS on and not even change the oil when they do it. They just put it on and let the filter start cleaning it up. So you just put it on. I mean, you really don't. You've already taken an oil sample. You've kind of, you're establishing a baseline right now. Right. Okay. I, I didn't know there was some kind of checkbox that said like new oil or so, or, so, or to establish a baseline. And so no, I didn't know it, if I needed to. No, you don't need to do anything different. Don't anything. Just just sample every 25,000. That's how you should be sampling now without an OPS and when you get the OPS, the same thing. It's just going to sample every 25,000. Okay, perfect. Well, awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Florida. Matt, welcome to the program. What's Florida looking like these days? <clears throat> Uh, well, where I'm at, uh, no major damage. I'm just about out to Wildwood here. Came out of Orlando on the turnpike. Got it. Um, they didn't, they didn't even get much wind damage here. Huh? But yeah, like, like I, for, I mean, I don't really go anywhere past Orlando anymore. So oh, okay. coming up, I four from Tampa, there's trees down and stuff like that, but nothing, nothing major. Everything was further south. Yeah. All right. What's on your mind today? Well, just real quick, that last call and that checkbox on the oil sample form Yeah. for new oil reference, that is for if you, it's his first sample, so it, wouldn't, it doesn't even apply to him. That's if you changed oil brands. Oh, gotta okay. Reset your, okay. Your, the, uh, the additive right. package for whatever oil you're using versus going off the last one got it so okay that makes I sense i sent you over my business report from last year and then up to date for this year yeah i and, see that uh, just want to kind of talk about year over year numbers and the fact that i have i've, I've lost count i think six years with my direct customer for my northbound freight and currently at two and a half years with the current broker I use on the southbound freight. 
So it's it's kind of contracted freight. Well, I guess it is contracted freight because I do have a bid in on my direct customer, and then it's a flat rate through the broker, you know, each week, and or yeah, it hasn't adjusted in a long time since fuel spiked. But um, so my numbers are much more consistent than people pulling off the load boards, and right now this year they're obviously going to be higher because my contracted rates have not dropped at all yet. <clears throat> I just rebid mine and I actually came down 20 cents a mile on my bid for my northbound load. Okay. But we haven't, that hasn't gone into effect yet. We haven't heard the results. So I'm still, still currently hauling at the higher rate. Um, my gross revenue from last year to this year is up 26 cents a mile. That's a lot. Net revenue, yeah, that's that's damn good. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> Net revenue is up twenty seven cents. <laughs> that's insane. So <laughs> that's just crazy. <laughs> um, these numbers, I swear, yep. Matt. If I didn't know you and I didn't know your operation and I didn't know this was for I, real, I wouldn't believe them either. I, I wouldn't believe <laughs> these numbers. I just wouldn't. I mean, this is, you know, it makes me smile that you can make this kind of money with a truck. Um, Because we're we're looking at January through September. So nine months, there's still another quarter to go here. And your profit has exceeded a quarter of a million dollars. I would have said no way. Yeah, it's, it's just it's matter. not going to happen. That that you're lying. That's that's <clears> not true. It's not happening. But it is. That's that's it's just amazing. Yeah. And then my next number I was going to use is fuel cost, and this will explain a lot of it. You talk about focusing on expenses, and fuel is their biggest one. And I do things that are we can't even recommend on the air because it's complicated <laughs> and. Yeah, <laughs> there's I got extra fuel tanks on my trailer to buy extra truck fuel, and I mean I I do stupid stuff that people. It's funny the people that ask me about it. Right, they can't even comprehend why. Right, they 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 you think know, you must every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. Don't you need to buy fuel in every state? Uh, no, <laughs> no. In fact, I really don't want to ever. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> right. So, it's just, I don't, probably haven't done the math looking at the numbers. Take a wild guess what you think fuel cost per mile should be up from last year to this year. Should be? Yeah. What, what do you, I mean, if we had to try to guess what an average out here, what people are spending more per mile this year versus last year. I don't know. Our big spike I, in fuel wasn't until January or February. That's what I was just trying to remember. So you're you're right, year. though. You're right. We we it was a run up this year. At, at first, I was going to say, "Well, are we sure we're yeah. even paying more?" But yeah, we are definitely paying more this year. Uh, I don't oh, know yeah. how much. Yep. I can't even make a good guess. I'm only up seven seventeen cents a mile. Wow. Which I yeah, thought. That was low. Yeah, I thought so. But, yeah. That, that's a real number. Wow. Now, wow. one advantage I might have on that department is Georgia 
keeps extending their fuel tax holiday. Oh, okay. I don't remember the when, but I think it was March. They took their fuel tax off. Okay. And it was just extended again, I think, till November 15th. So they have not. So, so I would. And I run for almost 500 miles a week in Georgia that I'm paying. So I have, a, tax. I have a question. Of, I, tax. I wonder about this every time I see a state announce this. What happens when you go to file your fuel tax? Are, are, do, are you being forced to pay it on the report at the end of the quarter? Because you have to report your miles. In this, <laughs> so, you know, this is where people, if you don't know IFTA and you don't read the memos that they send out, you are possibly paying the tax. That's what I thought. They're not it, charging it at the pump. Right. But, but, but it's going to end up being calculated IFTA, on your form. And this is going to change in every state. So every state runs their own IFTA. So I know in the past they've done, when they change the rate in the middle of the quarter, they'll do a split and it's always by the month. So there'll be okay. one month at one rate and one or in two months at, you know, yeah. new or old rate, whatever. Okay. And you actually got to separate out your miles because you are required to record miles and fuel by the month. Right. Even though you only file it quarterly. You do have to keep the month separate. Right. So right now, my Minnesota IFTA, the rate is there. You have to enter everything and then change all of my miles to non-IFTA miles. That's what they said in the directions how to handle it. Okay. That that would work. So that then, makes sense. And the tax and, comes out to zero. And yep. that is an easy way to do it. I'm glad they actually made this simple. That's the easiest way to handle this. But you're right. I wonder how many people don't do it and end up paying the tax. Yep. And yeah, they're just they're just filing it like normal. And yep. if you don't do that, yep, you're it, gonna you know, everything's you're gonna end doing up doing it on a website it. now, unless you're really old school and yeah, still fill out the paperwork, but. And use a calculator, but yeah, so yeah it, interesting. It automatically, will calculate it with tax. Yep, and then I got to change it to non-taxable miles. Interesting. Hey, I want to go back to your numbers. Mm-hmm. I there's a there's a big lesson yep. in these numbers here. Somebody, lots of somebody's probably would look at these numbers and go, "Oh, well, he just got lucky. He he just you know he knew that broker or, or whatever. He just got lucky." And I, I would agree. Under our you know the real definition of luck, which is what happens when preparation meets opportunity and opportunities always there. What we're really looking at when we look at these numbers is what you've done is you've taken everything you can about this business and you've optimized it. Everything. It's all the stuff we talk about over and over and over and over. The other thing people have to realize, if, if you aren't doing any of this stuff in your business now and you decided to, you might get there in three or four years. None of this stuff happens quickly. This is stuff you've been working on for years. You've been working on customer relationships and where your freight comes from and your expenses and your you've you've just... There's really nothing left for you to do in the business. I mean, you can make small changes here or there. Oh. You can keep up with things as they oh, yeah. change. 
but you're, there's not a lot left that you're going to do in this business. But who cares? Look at the profit it's throwing off. Yeah, and that's where I struggle with the the new truck thing. I'd love a new truck, and I'd love, you know, to fully go with Joel specs and see if I could be one of them 11 miles of the gallon guys. But I spent some money and some time with Steve Crone <laughs> this summer, and I'll, I got to put some numbers together and call back tomorrow. Okay. Uh, I believe I'm up three to four tenths, which Steve is very, very disappointed with. <laughs> really? He wants way more. And okay. I got stuff I got to do. You know, he pointed out more things I need to do. Okay. To really uh, dial it in. But, <clears throat> you know, because I'm only in that eight and a half range. So, yeah, only. Which is, which is it's still a great place to for be. what I do. Right. But, you know, if I could buy a new truck and get to 11, that it pencils out over a couple of years that it's even at these ridiculous truck prices. But I also want to slow down here someday soon. <laughs> you know, here's and here's another good lesson. I made a point the other day about um, that post where I saw an 18 year old girl buying a brand new car horrible, horrible idea, shocking to me. And, you know, when I tell people this, they look at me like I'm the one with three heads. So what? She bought a new car. She's a girl going to college. She needs a reliable vehicle. Oh, you got to be kidding me. The, 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 the loss of potential in her life by buying this new car now is just insane. But one of the things you find and when we you know talk about digital currencies and credit cards and all these things one of the things that's absolutely true people tell you oh no that doesn't affect me there's a huge difference between spending your real cash on something and financing it we make totally different oh, yeah. decisions and what you're seeing right now is your numbers are so good you don't want to do anything that would make them less good and buying a new truck would. It, it wouldn't matter if you got 15 miles to the gallon. It wouldn't be enough in the short term to make your numbers better. You'd have that big payment. Your insurance would go up. Um, your numbers would look worse. And we get to a point where we've worked so hard to get those numbers good, you don't want to do anything to make them go backwards. But when, when we can just no. sign on the dotted line, I mean, we don't even have to take our wallet out to buy a car. You sign the paperwork, <laughs> yeah, right? Zero down. Zero yeah. down. And we'll defer yeah. your first payment for three months. Don't worry about it. I, then we just <laughs> overspend. I promise you, if this girl had to take cash and, and count it out and buy a car, she would not be buying a brand new car. No. Yeah, it's... <sighs> Like the luck side of it, I, I have another good personal friend, been an owner operator his whole life too, and him and his wife, they've done very well, mostly on the real estate side. They bought a house real young, starter house, and I mean, basically, probably doubled the value of that house yeah. in the time they owned it in the in the late nineties. They really. Oh, it would have been early 2000s. They bought their second house. 
And again, I mean, it's they're on their, let's see, one, two, three. They're on their fourth house since they've been married. Wow. But every time they're, they're not even increasing their mortgage, but way increasing. I mean, they're right. probably close to a million dollar house right now. Wow. And yeah. Probably don't owe more than 200,000 on it. Nice. You know, so it, it's, so is he lucky? Yeah. Because everybody <laughs> had the opportunity. Exactly. Right. To buy and flip houses their whole life. Right. It's not, and, and they started out, I mean, I don't know the numbers, but I'm guessing, and you know, like say we're talking late nineties, maybe $120,000 house on their first one. Probably. Right. So it's not like they started out with family, giving them money and bought this expensive house. It's, it just, you know, it's, yeah. like you say, a typical starter house. So. Yeah. No, it, it, you know, it, it they, another, they, they were able to do that because they focused on it. That's really all that was. They focused yeah. on it. They said, you know, there had to be thought there. It wasn't all luck, not four, three or four times. You know, sometimes we just get lucky. That does happen occasionally, good timing or whatever. Yeah. But this was intentional. You know, they bought an inexpensive home. They watched the market when they were able to. They, they sold that, bought another one and kept working up. But that was intentional. And that's what I mean about luck really happens when we go out and do things to create luck. No. And yeah, that's my story. I've bought my first truck in 1998, you know, way back in the last century. (laughs) As as my son likes to say when I talk about stuff. (laughs) In the last century. Yeah. That's funny. (laughs) Um, and it took me till like I said, it's been six years I've had my direct customer. And I worked on this customer for over a year before I got my first load from him. Wow. It it is not easy. But it's consistent long term. And I mean then I've been running Florida. Um, probably 2002 is when I started coming down here regularly, not dedicated, but right more often. So it's the whole Florida market, you know, I'm 20 years in on it. That's right. It, you, you know it, it you understand it, right. It customers down here is not right. easy. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. No, it's just a, um, it's, you know, and this is, this is kind of where I was with my trucks. And for me, it was even easier. I didn't have the customer side. I did the revenue side. I didn't have to work on at all. I mean, that was just the only thing that affected my revenue was which loads I bid on. But I I can make money on any load. So it didn't matter really there. All I had to focus on was, you know, basically drivers and, and expenses. And when I got to the point that there was nothing left to do, it was that was why I decided to sell the trucks. They were making money. I could have kept them forever. But it, it was like, what's the point? There there was no challenge left anymore. There was nothing more to do. Yeah. And that's in the near future here is kind of my problem. <laughs> my problem now is this is a dedicated every week load. Right. And I've been running my ass off basically since COVID and 
now that I truly have a contract, because before it was never a contract, it was just an agreement yeah. verbally and yeah. you know, I had the load whenever I wanted it. And if I didn't want it, it went on the broker board. Well, now the contract actually states that I'm required to cover it 85% of the time, which is 40 <laughs> some weeks out of the year. I think it's 42. Right. right. And I'm at the point now I want to start slowing down. So now I got to think about, do I want to hire a driver or an owner operator or right. look for something different? Right. Of this dedicated stuff. That, now, what, what, what about this thought? That, what about this thought? And I know you've you've already had this thought, but we'll throw it out there. The other idea is you could get your broker authority and just broker it when you don't want to do it. The, and the problem with all three of the driver, owner, operator, and brokering is I don't want to mess with any of that. I know. It just, <laughs> I know. It's, it's I know. multi-drop parade. It, it, right. It's, it's, it's babysitting that yep. I... It's, it's, I already have another idea of a job lined up, something completely different and more regional. Okay. Um, that I've been thinking about as kind of a retirement plan, but I don't know if I'm ready to slow down that much or it'd be seasonal and different things. But it's, well, I, I mean, like you talk about being prepared. I already have Plan B and Plan C. So <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I've just never pursued them yet. I exactly. already know what I'm going to do. And I already, I already even have the option. It's. I mean, we've already had conversations with the guy that that uh, you know he'll put me to work tomorrow if I want. Yeah. There you go. Um, that's that's the um, and, and there. One. I, I think your timing is outstanding. I think there the opportunities through in the next year are going to be pretty incredible. I, I just I really think a lot of stuff is going to open up in freight. There's going to be a lot of stuff happening. Um, the call last week, and actually, a guy just mentioned here a little bit ago about the price of trucks and especially used trucks. You were reading an article or. A, online or something about a, oh no, it was a caller. He was buying a Peterbilt glider kit yeah. with a cat engine. Yeah. And then you were thinking 80000 and he said, no, it's one, 160 140 I don't, I don't remember the number. But the number was too that, big to remember. You're right. That is the number. God, I, yeah, no, but it is. I, mean, I know. Is, I'm shocked. You look at the market that they're still going for that, I, and I can't comprehend it either. And then to see that we just set a record for new truck orders in September. That's insane. What are these no. fleets thinking? Why are they buying new trucks right now? Why are they? The, the article made it sound like it's been so long since you've been able to order a truck. There were no slots open. So on the fleet side, that is. They're, they're running older equipment right that, now than they I, want to. Yeah, I think that's what's happening. They've just been forced to the point that they have to upgrade now. So, but yeah, and then, you know, that's put the pressure on the used truck market. Yeah. But it sure looks, well, so auctions have been record prices for for a year and a half now or however long it's been. Right. I don't think it's been a full two years, but um, 
Boy, it sure looks like auction lots that I drive by and see. There are a lot of trucks at them. <laughs> yeah. so I, don't, I haven't that, paid at, attention to see at, if the prices are coming down. At some point, there. the prices have <laughs> to come down. This is just, I, I, I am just shocked at these prices. Yep. And it's not just trucks. So there's a, his name's not even Pete, but so, the name of his business is Machinery Pete. Okay. On farm equipment. Yeah. And he's 20, 30 years. He's, he's basically compiled a database. Okay. He gets reports from all auctions, tracks prices, you know, the year and make of tractors and the engine hours. and Right. Every day he's posting about this tractor just sold for record price. And it, I mean, for two years, he's been <laughs> set a new record this weekend at this auction, you know, it's, and we're talking older equipment, not, I know. I, I just not the don't, newer stuff. We're I talking just don't 15 get it. year old tractors. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. get it. So here's what I'm right. noticing in real estate and, and maybe the same thing is happening with equipment. So, I'm really watching real estate in my area and I'm absolutely not going to buy anything. I know I'm not, I'm waiting, but while I'm waiting, I watch just about every day. So I get familiar with the prices like this guy with the farm equipment. I mean, he knows what every piece of equipment should sell for because he watches it all the time. That's where I am on real estate right now. I'm just watching. The prices are not coming down in real estate in this area. But here's what I'm noticing. Um, for the last two years that I've been watching real estate in this area, it is, it's very rare that I even see a property that I would be interested in just, you know, just because of what I'm looking for. There's, there's not much on the market. It's been really slim. And when something does come up, the prices are just way out of line. So what I'm seeing now is the prices haven't really changed much. They're starting to come down a little bit. What I'm seeing is a lot more real estate that I'm interested in. The, the listings aren't disappearing so fast anymore. So just yesterday, I was probably looking at four properties that if I didn't know where we were in the market, I would be interested in all four of these. They're interesting properties, but then I look at their price and think, oh, no, that, that price is going to come down in the next six months. So there's no way I would buy right now. But I, that's the shift I'm seeing, not in prices yet, but in more available real estate that I'd be interested in. And I think trucks are probably the same yeah, way. For a while there, not only was the price of trucks outrageous, but I didn't like the idea of buying because the selection was so poor. That, that's a, it's a double whammy. Yeah, I, I have to pay way too much for the truck, and I don't even get to find the truck I want. You know, uh, if you're... Your, your selection is bad truck A or bad truck B. <laughs> exactly, right. And, and that's your only choice. And that's what real estate's been like here in the gorge for the last two years. It, the prices have been outrageous, but I'm not even finding properties I would want. There's always something about the property I look at and go, ah, well, you know, I really like it, but look, I have a giant power line and running through the middle of my property. Or there was always something. And now I'm starting to see, oh, no, look at that property. I, I can't find anything wrong with that one other than the price. And I think that's going to change here pretty quickly. 
Yep. So yeah, you mentioned, you know, the days on the market is the term. Right. And I watched that too, because we got an adjoining piece of property that we're planning on buying and building on. And I've been watching, you know, yeah, the days on the market is climbing. Right. Even in our neighborhood. And then, and, and this is rural. I mean, we're 20 miles away from our existing house and completely out in the woods on a gravel road. Yeah. So we're, we're moving <laughs> further away from the hot market, but it's, you know, still, still yeah, fairly it, close to where we're at. So it works great right now for camping. Yeah. So, you know, one of the, one of the, I, I have written an open, I just never seem to get to it. And it, it's about the idea of why this is such a good time to think about getting into business and it's a good time to think about getting into the market. And it's a good time to think about getting into real estate because all of those things are on their way down. So now is the time. And I have this whole open about all the things that get better. You know, I have to remember it myself. The one thing to really focus on in a time like this is patience. Just be patient. You know, everything's going to start looking better. The truck prices are going to look better, real estate. But don't be in too much of a hurry because we we can't even begin to see the bottom yet. So I and I have to remind myself, I start, you know, like I said, the last two years, I, I just have a hard time finding properties I'm even interested in at any price. And now all of a sudden, like I said, I just saw four. So now all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, I better grab that one. Well, no, don't. That we're not in that market anymore. We're not in a market where you need to be in a hurry about anything. Just take your time and watch. And that's my dilemma. If people have heard my calls and you can remember over months, I've told you my plan of I've got money saved up to buy this next lot. And... I've told about if the stock market drops 30 to 50%, I want to stick it all in the market. <laughs> but we already know the time frame on this land. It's, it's, they're, they got twins, children, and they're three yeah. years away from going to college. Yep. They're going to sell the property to pay for the kids' college. Yep. So I already know the time is three years. <laughs> I don't know if I want to put it in the market. Right. I mean, I'm putting money right. in the market. Your, your normal every, stuff, right? Well, every week right now right. Of, of cash flow, but I'm not. The savings, I think, uh, I mean, if we do hit 50% down, I'll, I'm sure I'll risk some of it, but it's at the 30%, I don't know that I want to because I, I think this is going to be a longer term down and longer to come back. So yeah, for the, for the short-term money, I... I don't think I want to risk it. Yeah. And the, you know, the difference in real estate is sometimes that piece of real estate is so specific that we just have to pay more for it. If we really want it, I, it you can't, it's not like you can create yep. another one just like it. And bordering what I already it, own and already it, built the driveway. Right, and exa right, exactly. Right up to I, the property line. <laughs> I, I have that. I, I can look out my window right now and see that piece of property right next to my window that I've been trying to buy for three years and it just never works out. And it still isn't built on. So I still keep thinking, 
well, we're heading into another downturn. Maybe I'll be able to grab this one. And at, at some point, I'm probably going to have to overpay for it if I really want it. Because it, it, I either get it or I don't. It's, it's right next to, it's, it's the perfect finish for what I already have. So I may need to decide, just bite the bullet and pay what they, uh, pay what they want. But we'll see. I've, I've been holding out and it's worked out good so far. You know, I, it, it, there's another lesson here. And I talked about this the other day. My son, Michael, called me and was asking about some money in the market and, you know, what he should be doing and, um, you know, I, 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 he, he really, again, we've had this discussion before about market timing. It's so tempting to try to market time because it seems to make so much sense. And, you know, when I talked to my son who doesn't study finance, so, you know, he didn't really pick up a lot of this stuff from me over the years. So he, he's asking me, but it, it made me realize how people think about this and, and it's hard not to. So he said, well, you know, the, or this, this particular fund, um, we're already down 20 some percent this year. And, you know, it's going down more, right? And I said, yeah, it's going down more. Well, then why wouldn't I take it out and just put it back in when it comes up? It seems so logical. That's why it's so tempting. But actually, with what just happened, this is a really good example. So if we look at last week, right before the stock market ran up, we had had a horrible week. The market just tanked. We were down you know, I, I don't, did we get down into the 28 range? I think we might have for a little bit. Um, the market had really tanked. And that was kind of when he was asking me right then. Look, you know, it's already gone down. It went down again this week. Shouldn't I just sell it? And then I'll put it back in as the market comes up. And I said, no, don't do it. It's called market timing. It's a horrible idea. It looks good on paper, never works in the real world. Um, and I convinced him, but let's think about what happened after I talked to him about that. So let's say that he wouldn't have asked me. He just would have taken his money out of that fund because it was on its way down. Well, we had a huge run up the last couple of days. Stock market was up like 1,500 points yep. in two days. So if you just sold out of the market and then it runs up a lot, what are you going to do? What do you do right now? You sold yesterday or you sold last week. The market's up six or 7% in a week. What are you going to do? Is it time to buy back in? How do you know? Well, that's, that's always the unknown. It's, right. This is this. You it, know, I'm but, of the opinion too. It's going to go down further, but I can't guarantee that. No, we might. It, I've already hit bottom, or we might kind of be so, at bottom. We might stay here for a year or two, just bouncing up and down, right. you know, the so, couple percents or whatever. And Yeah, so one of the ways to try to, yeah. you know, think this through is what would you do right now? And, and I'd love for some, if, if you sold last week because you're convinced it's on its way down, it's going to keep going down, what do you do now? We had a big run-up. Do you buy back in? Because if you do, you already lost money. Yeah. Because you sold low and bought high. And that's what happens um, to people. That's what happens. They end up doing the exact yeah. opposite of what you should be doing to make money in the stock market. We all know 
In order to make money in stocks, you have to buy low and sell high. And yet you watch individual investors and more often they sell high and buy low. Or the other way around. Yep. Because when the stock market sell low and buy high. Yeah. Everybody's talking about it. (laughs) Right. That's when everybody buys in. Right. And then it goes (laughs) down. Correction. Right. And then everybody's worried. uh, Right. Oh my God. It's going to. It's going to disappear, so let's sell now. Right. This is why it doesn't work, even though it sounds so good on paper. What do you do right now today? If you sold your stocks, I want you to tell me what you're going to do today because the market's hot right now. Well, it might not be today. I haven't even – let me go check to see what it's doing today. I know we're we're heading back down again. (laughs) We're down 227 points. So this is when you'll make yourself crazy. Yep. And here's the thing. So, yeah, we're down 22% or something, right about there from the high. For the year, I think, yeah. You know, depending on the day. Right. Yeah, yeah, year to day. The thing is, if you are a consistent investor, last year we had a 22% gain. Right. So for the last two years, you haven't lost anything yet. No. No, not at all. We're just back to zero. Right. Yeah. Right. And if you were investing money five years ago, oh, we're up 50% you're, from you're then. way up. Right. I mean, it's still huge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So forget so forget the market timing. This correction. Yeah. This correction we're in is actually normal to begin with. And we've been predicting it for years because we had the longest run-up ever. We knew it was coming. We just don't know how how deep it's going to be and how long it's going to be. Here's another factor. Can't answer that. Here's another factor when we talk about market timing. Here's another reason why you lose. So obviously, if you just sold everything you had in the market because you were worried about going down and you think you're just going to buy back in when it goes up, I'm positive that also means you've stopped your monthly investing. Yep. Every time you buy in a down market, you're buying stocks on sale and you're getting more shares. If you stop that, you lose huge opportunities. Um, and I know you personally have, and you, I realize you're talking age group specific when you're giving information and, you know, your information for your age group in Tony Robbins book, unshakable, he talks about market corrections and bear markets and all that and how often they actually happen Historically, it's like every two years that we have a what's called a correction. Right. So they're very normal, but even the, the big drops, the biggest mistake everybody always says, and technically it's correct, but you got to think about the whole market, the whole you know economy. Everybody always says, well, this time's different. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Which that's true. Technically, yes, it's true. Right, we right. have a different reason that it's happening, but our economy as a whole, you know, is not going to disappear. Correct. And 
the stock market, you know, business finds a way to keep moving forward. Yep. Yep. So, so it, the, it will come back someday. Yeah, and, and even and though I've younger talked, people should be investing. Absolutely in the market, and mm-hmm. you know I've talked many times about well, should you be in the market? And I'm out of the market now, but I've explained my reasons why, and it it's not a math problem. I don't explain my reason for being out of the market by saying, well, I I'm sure I can make more money in real estate. I've never said that. I gave my reason. And to me, the market got really boring. Yeah, I'm doing okay. Yeah, my money's going to grow. I'll just stay in, and, and I can look and see that if you stay in long-term, 8 to 10% over your lifetime is not all that difficult to achieve, and it's pretty stress-free and trouble-free. I tell people how to do it. It's really easy. It's also really boring. I got thinking about all that money sitting there, what I could be doing with it that's more fun than just watching the numbers on the bottom of the screen. I, real estate to me is more fun. I mean, I'm, I, I, I enjoy it. it it's, oh. it, I'm active. I go out looking for it. You know, once you find it, then I can work on it. I, that just, to me, that's just a better use of my money. I've never said I'm doing this because I think I can make more. I hope I do, but that's not my motivating factor. I, I just got bored being in the market. So we'll shift gears here a little bit, talking about making more and the oil price and what's going on there. Yeah. (laughs) Wouldn't it make more sense for the United States of America to just make, or well, not make more, but, you know, bring more oil into the supply by getting it out of the ground since we have... I don't know the volume of production, but that 2 million barrels a day, I, I would assume we could easily get that back online. Sure we could. Not overnight. or No, but we, we have the ability yet, to easily. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of taking it out of our emergency wartime supply. Well, yes, absolutely. Especially with what's going on with Russia right now? Yeah, it would make far more sense for us to pump our own oil, not only for all those reasons, but let's even look at the reason they claim they're doing all of this. They're, they're trying to protect the environment, right? Isn't that what this is all about? Isn't that why we're not going to pump oil? Because it's bad for the environment? Uh, if that was the case, wouldn't we be finding ways to restrict it more instead of just bringing the supply back out of the storage tank? Yeah, but here's the other thing about this. If we're worried about the environment, then you actually have to do something to stop using as much oil as we're using. And we're doing nothing to change that. We're using the same amount. We've done nothing to lower how much we use. So if we stop pumping, which we have, what do we then have to do? We have to get other people around the world to pump more. That's what, they, that's what Biden keeps doing. He's begging the Saudis. He's begging OPEC. He's begging Venezuela. Anybody who has oil, he's going to them and saying, can you pump more to fix this problem? Well, if you were concerned about the environment, we have the cleanest oil production in the world. Everybody else that does it does it dirtier than we do. So we should be, te- if we're concerned about the environment, 
We should be pumping every drop of oil we can possibly pump to slow other countries down from doing it because we do it cleaner. And the other environmental side is how much more oil has to get burned to get that oil from the other side of the planet (laughs) into the Gulf of Mexico, Right, which... Half of that just gets refined here, loaded back on a ship, and, and we sell it to Europe somewhere or else, lot right? Of different countries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What a mess. Yeah, that makes no sense to me either. Right, right. So you you, you can't even claim this is really about the environment. It's not. If it was, we would be pumping all the oil we could possibly pump. No. And I realize this isn't the first time OPEC has cut production for probably, well, I can't even say it's political reasons. You know, they're doing it for financial reasons. They're trying to drive the price up. But we've made comparisons, or it's been suggested many times, that Joe Biden is is Jimmy Carter repeated. Yeah. With the way the inflation and all that going, and now, you know, it's not an oil embargo, but, you know, they're... They're cutting production again. Yeah, it's uh, it's just yeah, it, amazing. It, you um, you can't you can't help but make the comparison to Carter because every time we talk about a statistic, whether it's fuel price or inflation or whatever, we're always saying it hasn't been this bad in forty years. Well, that's when Carter was in. How can you not make that comparison? Yeah. And uh, just to clarify in your open there, when you talked about it and uh, strategic oil reserve, yeah, the fact that we are at our lowest in 40 years, 40 years ago, we were increasing it. So it, it wasn't like 40 years ago, we had used some up and got it lower. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. It's been a steady increase. I don't know when it was started, but, you know, probably in the 50s, I'm guessing. Um, but, you know, it, it we finally peaked by the late 80s. Yeah. And then we've really never drawn it down until now. And like you said, to, to say it's where it was 40 years ago is a little deceiving because 40 years ago it was here on its way yeah. up. Now it's here on its way down. Yep. And we, he's so, and to, um, because OPEC said we're going to slow down production, he's going to release ten million barrels. Yeah, it's a good meme I've seen floating around lately, and it's about a book, George Orwell, nineteen eighty four. I saw that one. Yeah. Was meant to be a warning. Yes. Not an instruction manual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. 1984, and Atlas Shrugged, you know, Animal Farm. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah Do you know when 1984 was written? Do you remember? Uh, I don't know the exact year, but I'm thinking decade. like the 30s? Uh, oh, no, I think it was early 50s. Was it that? Okay. Probably was written yeah, in the 40s, and yeah, it was published, I think, early 50s. Okay. 
Yeah. But maybe it was oh. earlier than that, even. Maybe I'm wrong. I, You know, I know oh, Atlas yeah. Shrugged was in the late 50s. I'm thinking like 56, I think, Atlas Shrugged. For some reason, I was thinking one of those other books, either Animal Farm or 1984. I thought, I thought recently I saw one of them was way older than I thought it was. Yeah, it's just amazing how they had the mind thought to, and, and the fact that it's coming true, I guess, is what's amazing. That oh, so we they, were they thought that this is how it could all work out, and yeah, we we were in the we were close enough. It was published on uh, June eighth of nineteen forty nine. Okay. And uh, I, yeah, I didn't know this. Um, that was George Orwell's ninth and final book. Wonder what else he wrote. Oh, uh, but yeah, it's all to uh, head towards the conspiracy theory side of it. That 1984 is mentioned in um, the creature from Jekyll Island, right? He talked about some of that in there. And when he gets into the conspiracy side of things, and there, there's a part of there I don't... I'd love to talk to you about it, but I really don't want to talk about <laughs> that on the air. That it, it's just... It has to do with the whole environmental movement. It has to do with aliens. You know, it's a lot of <laughs> Roy out there stuff. <laughs> right, right. Okay, got it. Uh, got it. So... All right. Speaking but, of books, well, if you have other to- callers, I'll let you move along. Yeah, I've got I've got a bunch actually. We'll get to them. But speaking of books, and we're heading into winter when I do a lot more reading, and in the winter time, I'd like to get in you know plenty of novels because I don't want to just work all the time. So I've been on this quest to find new authors because I was like running into a dry spell trying to find good new just novel stuff to kind of read. So I I had found. Um, Oh, shoot. What was the author I just talked about that it's been around for so long? I'm drawing a blank. Um, been through most of those books. Still have some of those. I found another one that I, uh, this author has been around. Well, I, I, now I know how long he's been around. He's actually got a pretty interesting story. And yet I've never read any of his books till just recently. And I read one, really liked it. And then I found out there's 27 books in this series. That's exciting. Oh, wow. I have, yeah. Um, and the guy started writing in 2006. And it was it, it's later in life for him. He had a career in TV. And um, I don't know exactly what he did. And he was in TV and entertainment for a long time. And then he quit and decided to start writing books. He started in 2006. And there's 27 books, I think 28 now. I think another one, I just pre-bought another one that I'll get at the end of this month, I think. Um, One character, every story is just a new storyline for the same character. And now it's on, there's actually a movie and it's on Prime, Reacher. Uh, Lee Child is the author and uh, Jack Reacher's the the main character in the series. just really, yep. yeah, good stuff. And now I've got, you know, 26 more books to read. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, I am still getting into Stephen King stuff, you know, the older 
Oh yeah. Famous stuff yeah. that I've just never read. I'm not a big sci-fi guy, but I, I like I'm, Stephen King. I'm not a sci-fi guy um, at all. I, I tried to do the sci-fi thing. There were a couple, you know, really good sci-fi books that I read, but they were the big classics. Um, for the most part, I don't really read sci-fi at all. I, I don't really can. I guess he is kind of. He's a mix. I mean, it's horror, it's sci-fi, it's yeah, but, it's, uh, yeah it's yeah, you know, it's kind of hard to categorize his he, stuff he, and order. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've read everything he's written up and up to date, and honestly, the the hype that they made out of his last book, I was a little disappointed in it. It was a good book. I mean, I recommend it. It's a good book. But if you're going to hype up a book by Stephen King, it better be outstanding. And this one really wasn't. It was just another one of his nope. good books. You know, yeah, I don't know what his most recent one is, but I know, what is it? If it bleeds, um, some of these might be five years old already by now, but newer stuff that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not earth shattering great, but it, it's a good book. Yeah, that uh, I don't even remember that one. I know I read it, but what was okay, the storyline? Um, there's, there's actually, there's another one that kind of follows. There's a couple of the same characters are still in it, and is it so? If it bleeds, is the uh, the creature that it it can form into? Any person that it had touched. Oh, okay. And it, there's there's yeah. a football coach that ends right. up, you know, blaming the coach because it has DNA, all that, you know, matches. It, right. That uh, raped somebody, and you know, it was yep. this, this other creature. It wasn't the coach and you, stuff like that. You know, this one I, could be several many years old now, um, but I, I still think of this, like you said, as, as more of his current stuff. So I almost split his stuff up. Um, have you uh, read the book on writing that he wrote? No. So that so. Larry Wing had actually recommended that book to me. It was the only Stephen King book I hadn't read. And it's been out a long, long time. And I didn't read it because it was about writing, I thought. It was like, a, I, I actually thought it was like an instruction manual on how to write good novels. And it, in, in, in a sense, it is. But that's why I didn't read it. I'm like, I'm not going to write a novel, so why do I care? But it was more really of an autobiography and a pretty interesting one. I mean, he talks about uh, he was an alcoholic. He was hooked on cocaine. Uh, he went through a really, really rough time. Then he got hit by a car walking on the side of the road and almost died. Um, but it, so... I kind of split his books up of his really early stuff that was excellent. Then he went through about a decade where he was still writing, and he talked about it. But he was writing um, drunk and high on cocaine. And you could tell his books got nope. really weird, and they weren't that great anymore. And then he recovered and came back and started writing some really good stuff. So anything after that time, I kind of think of more of his new stuff. But some of that's, you know, a decade or, or more now. But the one that sticks out that I think of as kind of new, and I really enjoyed it because it was different, was Under, Under the Dome or The Dome. I don't remember the title. Yep, The Dome. The Dome. They made yeah. a TV series out of that one, too. Oh, did they yep. really? 
Okay. Yeah. 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 Which the TV series is is pretty good, but yeah, the books better. That was a good one. They always are. Yeah, that was that was a good one. That one kind of sticks out for me as some of his new stuff that I really liked. Yep. All right. one last quick thing yep. there about him with his drugs. And I remember an interview I listened to a long time ago with a comedian. I don't even remember who, but, you know, talking about that and getting popular, getting into drugs. They they end up what they call coke chokes. They're only funny when you're high on coke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Stephen Fuchs, you know. He, right. They, yeah. they took a different turn when, you, when you're... <laughs> They when you're snorting coke, so. they they really did. Oh man, they his books just got really. I you know now I can actually go back and I could pick up a book and read it and tell you which period he was in. I mean, you can just see it in the style of his writing. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good stuff. I'm going to move Alrighty. along. We're going to head off to Pennsylvania this time. Gene, welcome to the program. Hey. Good afternoon, Kevin. What's on I, your mind today? I had so many ideas, so many things that developed in my mind since I originally called in that I got well, there you go. rethink where we were. I, uh, I called in because uh, when you were talking about making the yogurt earlier, and I just wanted to go through the, the method that I used to make the yogurt. Uh, well, one, I wanted to double check myself to make sure there's nothing wrong with it. I got a Instapot Max. And with that Instapot Max, you can dial up a specific temperature. Even in the yogurt mode, you can set a specific temperature and the hours onto it. It's got a stainless steel liner. I put all my ingredients into it, whisk it together, put the top on it, um, set it to the 100 degrees for 36 hours or whatever we want. And in the beginning, I was checking the temperature, and it, it stays very consistent throughout the whole in, period uh, of time. Okay, so uh, this... This is specifically called the Instant Pot Max? Yes, it is the Instant Pot brand, and the model is the Max. Okay, because I do have an Instapot, and I have another similar device that's supposed to do the same thing. Both, neither one of mine will allow you to set a specific temperature. They just give you a yogurt setting. <laughs> And I checked it, and both of them are way too hot to to do many of these yogurts. So if there is a specific model, that's good to know. Yeah, because I uh, went into the yogurt feature, and then it says one of, in the yogurt, custom is one of the options at the touchscreen display. And you dial it in. I've done it at 100 degrees, 120 degrees. And I uh, in the beginning, I would take the lid off every once in a while and stick my... Uh, thermometer probe into it and it was pretty much dead on the money perfect and the timer you know went down you know say uh we started at eight o'clock at night well we know eight o'clock the day after in the morning we're ready to go um oh, hey a lot less hey i just uh I, i'm looking at this online this is a this is a really really cool device uh, the six quart is only a hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, I haven't got to the point yet. I believe. Oh no! Here we go. Temperature control within plus or minus one degree Celsius for sous vide. Yeah, and here's something yeah. else. This is a this is what we call a pressure cooker, but this is also a true pressure canner. Yeah, 
this reaches 15 right. psi, you could can you can pressure can in this. Now it's it you're not going to get many. You're probably only going to get I don't know six pints maybe. Pints yeah, yeah, but but if you're buying a if you want one device to have in the truck that does an awful lot of stuff, this is it. Yeah, because it's uh, it's very convenient because I can put a full gallon of milk, or, or I use half and half, put um, my inulin and uh, you know, my way back into it. Yeah, together. it's I mean, in five in five minutes you're done. Thirty six hours later, I went actually found it at Ollie's. Good stuff, cheap. Um, they had a vegetable steamer that was a large. It, it actually holds about a gallon capacity in the steamer, half of it. So I lay a coffee filter into the bottom of the the upper device, the upper layer, and I pour that whole contents into the steamer, uh, put it, you know, cover it, put it in the refrigerator, and in about 24 hours, everything goes through the bottom. It, uh, I get a nice, the right consistency that I'm looking for, and uh, it it makes it super easy. And whenever I hear, you know, we're we're going through the, the mason jars and the CV and the water levels and everything. And the way I've been doing it, it, it just seems so much simpler and easier. Yeah, no, this is a, uh, you know, out. here, here is the biggest problem I have with this. This makes me crazy. I'm going to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, there are, not exaggerating, I'm on an Instant Pots website right now. There are more than 25 different Instant Pots, more than 25 yeah. of them. So the tough part is making yeah. sure you're buying the right model. And honestly, even though I typed in Instant Pot Max, I don't see that as a name on any of these anymore. So right when now, I did the I, I, I'm not I was even comparing them. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm looking. Th I do not see a single one of these that uses the word Max. Even, but that's what I searched for, and that's what came up. But when you try to buy one from their site, it's like they've changed the names of these, and I don't know which one. Yeah, I would. They've... I would have to. Um, I would have to go through each one to try to figure it out. And I would, uh, I would look at it to see that you can customize that temperature to within one degree. That's uh, when I was looking through them, and I, I found that. I'm like, well, let me try it, you know, and I'm just like, you know, shoot fish in a barrel to take your luck. And ended up, it, it worked very well for me. I mean, it, it was, a uh, matter of fact, when you were Pittsburgh Power and I brought the book down to you and I gave you that sample of the yogurt, that's, uh, that's how I was going at that oh yeah now this is you know all i would say is make sure you're buying the right one but right now if i were going to recommend one appliance for the truck this would be the one the instant pot whatever it is that does both yogurt and pressure canning that's a pretty damn cool device and it's uh it's been very reliable i mean it's i mean five minutes prep time uh, you know, five oh, minutes my, later, you know, 36 hours later. Yeah. No, my, I, I do, like I said, I have an instant pot 
it doesn't do either one of these two functions, but I use it for pressure cooking all the time. I've had it for years and years, and I abuse mine. It gets a lot of use. I've never had a problem with it. And I know we, uh, I should be buying the A2 milk in, but I just think more the Walmart and get their, uh, their half and half, my two half gallons of it. There you go. Mix it with my way, and my consistency has been coming out perfect. You know, not not chunky, yep. not runny, just right where you want it in the middle of it. And Excellent. And we've been getting good results. Excellent. It's running that way. Thanks for the heads up. Yes, sir. And uh, also, one of the things you were touching going through when I was at the, the Landstorm Appreciation Days last week, I got to meet the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Steve Brown. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, Steve's a great guy. Absolutely. Yeah, we uh, discussed a little bit of my aerodynamics on my, my liftgate trailer and my other trailer. And, uh, everything was good. Excellent. Quite an interesting time. Yeah. Good to hear it. All right. Thanks for the call. We're going to move along. I've got to wrap up these calls before uh, 10 o'clock. Rolling Toe is coming up. Let's go to Washington. Jerry, welcome it's to the program. 40. Hey, um, try and make this somewhat quick. Um, <laughs> so I've got a trailer issue I'm dealing with. I'm trying the best way to figure this out. If you remember right, about eight months ago, I asked you about purchasing a new trailer from yep. a tier one or tier two people. Okay. We ended up going with the tier one trailer because when the trailer was supposed to be built back in May, originally we were going with the tier two. So May, when the trailer should have been almost done, I got a hold of the manufacturer and said, Hey, um, do we need to start going over the options and all that? And he goes, wow, we haven't even started yet. And I was like, well, you haven't even started. And he goes, no. He's like, okay, so what are we doing? He goes, well, two things. One, your trade is going to be $10,000 more. Ooh. And two, I'm not giving you disc brakes anymore. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, no sweat. Thanks. Yeah. So we called <laughs> the other trailer people and said, hey, I need a trailer. And he goes, well, now we're out till oh, November, December timeframe. And I said, okay, no sweat, just do it. You right. know, and he's like, okay, I need a deposit. And I was like, all right, no sweat. So I sent him the money for the deposit. And the trailer is going to be here in November, December timeframe, rough guess. So, but here's the thing. I'm running four trucks right now. I'm running my truck with a set of B trains, which is heavy. Cause you know, we run heavy up here in Washington. Right. I'm running a day cab, my Kenworth with a heavy haul trailer behind it. And then I've got one owner operator that owns all his stuff, truck and trailer. And then I've got another owner operator that's actually using one of my trailers. Okay. So one of my trailers is pretty used and abused. And that's the reason that I wanted to order that new trailer because we actually cracked this trailer and then we fixed it, took it to down to the trailer repair place and said, here, can you fix this? And they said, yeah, no problem. It's like, okay. But you know, it's, it's already cracked once yeah. and I'm kind of hesitant on using it. And so it's like, okay, I, I need to think about getting rid of it, but I don't know if my timing's all right. So in the middle of this, in the last three to four weeks, I'm just trying to give you my idea of thinking here. Okay. We stay pretty busy spring and summer, winter, fall. We just have a diverse, pretty diverse customer base, but 
one of my customers, one of my winter customers has decided to go with another carrier. So we lost one of our winter customers, which is one of our main deals for coming back up north. Okay. So I've called other customers of mine and said, Hey, you know, I, I can take more of your freight if you're interested. And they were like, well, sure, because these people aren't keeping up with what we need. So we'll hand you more freight. And I'm like, okay, great. Good. But they're not exactly winter customers. They just kind of fade in and out and, you know, and, yeah. and I can take another truck in the springtime. I, I don't know if you remember me calling a few months ago and asking you, Hey, I've got a Kenworth with a Series 60. It hasn't ran in quite a few years. Can I just start it up? And, and oh, that's yeah. when you were like, how many yeah. trucks do you own? You know, <laughs> know. And I'm like, okay. So and it's like, okay, so we're planning on adding this truck in the springtime of this coming year. So now I run into a huge trailer issue. I got one trailer I want to get rid of because it's kind of pretty wore out. I've got a new trailer coming that's going to replace it. A buddy of mine calls me on Sunday and says, Hey, I'm out. I'm done. I'm, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. I'll sell you my trailer. It's like, okay, what year is it? And he goes, it's a 2021. It's like, okay. So my brand new trailer that's coming in is a 2023 and I'm paying just over 90,000 for it. Okay. And so when he called and told me he had a 2021 and he takes extremely good care of his equipment, he has a really nice truck, really nice trailer. It's got disc brakes on it, the whole nine yards. He's like, I'm willing to sell it to you. I'll sell it to you for 69,000. And that's it. And I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, it just gives me a couple of thousand after paying the loan off. And I'm like, okay, that, that seems like a pretty good deal. So, but in the back of my brain, I'm kind of going, okay, I don't want two trailer payments. I just not in the mood for it. But if I pull this money out of this investment deal and you're going to laugh when I tell you that I haven't pulled the money out, I pulled it out, but I set it aside and I haven't done anything with it is about a year now, I'm going to say about seven or eight months ago, you were talking about whole life policies and all that. And here I had a whole life policy and you were like, get out of it, get out of it. So I pulled the money out and I stuck it in the bank. I didn't do anything with it. I just stuck it in the bank. Okay. Well, now I've got all this money sitting here on my policy. And it's like, you know what? I could take some of that money out of the savings and pay cash for, or this trailer, the guy wants to sell me. And then I still have enough to, put a nice down payment down on the new trailer and finance just one trailer. And then I'm gaining two trailers and don't have to worry about trailers again for quite a while. Yes. So that's my thing. And I'm, and I'm like 95% going, yes, this is the smart deal. You've lost this customer, but you know what? You've already picked this up and that up and you'll figure it out. You always do. Exactly. So get the that, trailer because right now it's at a great price. Yeah. Here's the thing. This, this, so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you called. You would have made the right decision on this anyway, but yeah, absolutely on this one for several reasons. You're getting that trailer okay. at a good price and you have cash. So let's use the cash. Um, yeah. this, this was like a freebie, right? You, in your mind a year ago, you weren't even thinking about that whole life policy. So now you've got the cash. No, it, it's almost like, it's almost like you just got a free trailer. So that's a, that parts the no brainer. Yeah. Then that second trailer that now you're going to, you know, have a payment on, but you're going to put a nice chunk down. You know, this, 
the money in trucking is in trailers. It's not in trucks. It's in trailers. Right. And you have good customers. You have good relationships. You should almost always have a surplus of trailers. You should never be short on trailers like you are right now. You should always try to keep a surplus. Yeah. You should almost always try to have a little more trailer capacity than what you need because something will come I, along to fill it. Yeah. And I, my owner operator that uses my trailer, I keep telling him, he's like, well, I got the truck. I got the truck. And I'm like, that's great. But the truck doesn't make you money. It's the trailer. You can drive around Bobtail all day long, right. you know? And he, and the one of the things he brought up to me was, well, I could do power only. I was like, well, yeah, that's great. Power only works for how long? And then that's it. You got to use it, their it, trailer under their rules and everything else. If you damage it, you're paying for it. Yeah. And and look, so. if people who want to run power only, absolutely go do it. There's nothing wrong with it, but that's not a reason no. to say, well, I'll never own a trailer because I want to do power only. Well, I could own a trailer and do yeah. power only when I wanted to just park your trailer. Yeah. See, if you I mean, don't have a trailer, like this isn't a horrible. Yeah, let's look at the difference. If you don't have a trailer, you're stuck either leasing to somebody else who can get you a trailer or doing power only. If I have a trailer, I can do anything I want. I have all those options available to me. And you know, we used to say yeah. trailers are cheap. They don't feel so cheap anymore, but they still really are. I mean, it, it they've gone way, way up in price, but when you look at how long you can keep a trailer and the cost of ownership is, is pretty cheap. If you just take reasonable care of them, trailers are still the real bargain in our industry and trailers are where the money is. Yeah. And I, and my wife's looking at me and she's, you know, she knows what I charge the owner operator for. I charge him basically a lease fee. And then I also charge him a fee to run my trailer. Cause right. you know, it's not right. That, that, it's not like the trailer's free. I still got to pay the maintenance and everything on that. Yeah. So my wife was looking at the books and she's going, you know, for the amount that we're going to pay for this trailer that you're going to pull out of savings, you could actually probably within a year and a half, put that money back into savings with what you're charging the owner operator, to use your trailer. Right. And I'm like, yeah, that's, there's a lot of, there's yeah, a lot to for, that, you know, and I was like, but you know, it's always, and she, and she points that out, but then she also points out, she goes, remember, he's an owner operator, so he can leave you at any time you want <laughs> yeah, to. That's and I'm true. Like, well, right. That's true too. Right. So. But yeah, yeah, no, this <laughs> is for you. This is, this is a good decision. Take them both. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Yep. All right. Thanks. All right. You're welcome. That right, is bye. going to wrap things up for today. Um, we will be back in just about 13 minutes for rolling toe. I'm going to wrap this up. What, uh, do I know what time I'm, um, I don't know what time I'm recording today. I got to go find that out. I thought I knew. Um, I know Lisa told me. But I can't find it. I'll have to go figure that out. Sometime today we're recording a uh, an episode of The Pit, so that'll get posted uh, before the end of day today, I'm pretty sure. Uh, we will see you back here tomorrow. Both John and Joel are confirmed for trucking technology and efficiency tomorrow. So we'll see you then. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.